مرحبا اه اهلين كيفك؟ I have no idea what you're telling me <laughs> So I'm using one of like, the Arabic dialects uh, the Lebanese or maybe Levantine to say hey how are you? <laughs> oh, oh I, I, I just learned marhaba I'm not even sure if, it, if the pronunciation is okay So actually marhaba maybe you're trying to use a Turkish term for it which comes originally from Arabic because we don't say that to say hi Because we say that to say welcome, like marhaban. Oh, really? Do, do you say salam alaikum? Yeah. I didn't say that I could have. I said ahlan or ahlin, which is also kind of a welcome. Mm, but you can also say hi with it. But usually you say just, uh, yeah, in Levantine Arabic, you say ahlin or ahlan. Um, but I would say... Salam. Yeah, salam. As you might have guessed, <laughs> this episode is going to be about <laughs> Arabic. <laughs> yeah. In a language with uh, nearly 420 million speakers, uh, 25 countries where it's official or co-official. And of course, there are others where it's spoken and it is not always in the majority language. And one of the UN's official languages. Are you interested in learning things about Arabic? Absolutely. Not only about Arabic, but Arabic, the language itself, or the languages themselves, should I say? Yes, uh, it's uh, very cool that you said that. So we're going to go and start talking about the language profile. So where should we start? Um, if it's the first time you're learning Arabic or you're interested or maybe you know nothing about Arabic, that's exactly the episode for you. So we're going to be talking about everything. So where to start when you want to learn Arabic? So what is the first thing, Raf, that strikes you when you look at Arabic, like written, for example? Well, that it uses a different script. <laughs> exactly, right? So the interesting thing is that it's a different script, but did you know that we could write it from right to left? I mean, we could, no. We have to write it from right to left? I know that it's written from right to left and it's something that drives me crazy when I have to copy and paste texts <laughs> from Arabic because uh, going, you know, back cancelling, I don't know what's the word for doing that, the back arrow, it doesn't cancel backwards <laughs> yeah. from from right to left as it's uh, uh, the case with English, for example, but it goes the opposite way. And I say, what well, am I canceling the whole word now? Yeah, it messes it up. Yeah, it happens to me too. Um, but yeah. But it's so elegant. I mean, whenever I, I look at the Arabic script, it's so elegant to me. It feels like, you know, poems written on uh, old paper from the Middle Age. It's wow. so poetic for yeah. me. That's why, because you didn't see my writing. I had writing. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so you have to start with a new alphabet, of course. And of course, there are different sounds like in any other language. But we're going to take that, you know, little by little. But first thing is, you said it yourself, uh, which Arabic to learn, right? Why did you say that? Exactly. Why did you ask me the question? I'm not an expert, <laughs> but what I know about Arabic, which, by the way, is on my list of languages to learn, and it's going to be in the, uh -oh. in the next future... <laughs> But maybe later I will tell you why I haven't learned Arabic yet. Okay. Um, it's that, um, yeah, there, is, there seems to be one, uh, you know, language, one Arabic that the whole Arab world speaks. And then there are regional varieties, national varieties. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Actually, when we speak of, I mean, we, the word Arabic, when we talk about it, it has like it covers kind of two different things. 
um, one mainly written, which is either the classical Arabic, which is usually related to the Quran, which is the, the, the liturgical book for, you know, Muslim people, and uh, the modern standard Arabic, which people could learn either as Arabs or, you know, foreign le learners. Um, and that is not actually spoken. It's written in books, used in also official, as an official language in those countries. Um, but when you speak it, um, so this actually is called al-fusha. Uh, and when you speak it in any country it's called uh, amia which is kind of the the general language spoken with from with from the population and this is like you have a variety of dialects that are actually you know a dialect is a political political thing so you cannot really call them dialect it's actually languages because they are not always mutually intelligible we say right so Yeah, so it's kind of confusing for people. So that's why the question is interesting. When you want to learn Arabic, okay, you have a different script, different sounds, but where to start, right? So basically, I'd say it depends on what you want to do with it, right? If you're like, you spend so much time in, I don't know, let's say Lebanon or in Egypt, that makes sense, of course, to learn that dialect. But of course, at the same time, if you want to write, you have to have knowledge about the MSA language, you know? So I'd say you have to do both at the same time. Learn the MSA, learn how to write. But when you're learning a sentence, let's say, how are you? Depending if you're speaking to, a, you're addressing a woman or a man. Uh, so this is MSA. But if you want to say it in Levantine, it's kifak, you know, like in Lebanese, for example. So I would suggest for people to learn both at the same time. Kind of let's say that learning a dialect is more of acquiring more vocabulary, a different way. I see. But of course, there are much more differences in, in between both languages. But yeah. I see. I'd like to say a couple of things here. Yeah, sure. Uh, like, for example, talking about dialects, uh, I always have, you know, strong feelings against uh, this word because it's uh, calling something a dialect uh, kind of uh, sounds like you want to take importance away from that language. Mm -hmm. There Definitely. is no difference between a dialect and a language. They are all languages in a way. Um, but... Dialect can also mean something else, meaning the alternative language, like an, an, an alternative language that you can speak in a region. So it, yeah. um, uh, semantically, etymologically, <laughs> uh, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't have uh, necessarily a negative connotation. Uh, I had to learn this myself with, you know, with Neapolitan because I always got mad at people for calling Neapolitan a dialect. And uh, yeah. I was explained that, you know, it just means that it's uh, another language that you can speak other than, for example, the official language of the country. But it's interesting because I spoke to different linguists who told me, no, there is absolutely no difference. And we don't use that. They really say it that it's not only not not because of the negative idea we have about dialects, but it's about the variety. Even in a language, there are a variety of languages, you know. So if you speak about the standard langu like what language that is kind of um, common to everybody, that's one thing but the others still are languages. And in this case, the modern Arabic isn't spoken at all. Like I said it, it's official. So for example, in newspapers, they would use in any um, country where Arabic is official, they would use uh, modern uh, standard Arabic, right? But at the same time, when you hear the news, I mean, when you just you know switch on your TV, the, if you have people from different Arab countries, it's quite interesting And I think Paul from Focus talk about it and call that a white language. There is a mix between the MSA, kind of the structure, 
there. The basis is MSA, but they put a lot of vocabulary from their own countries, you know, sometimes. And you can hear also their their intonation that is different from the MSA, also the accent and everything that is different. So it's not a spoken language, you know. It's like weird to hear. Like it's like I know it's not exactly the right comparison, but if you can hear especially classical Arabic, which is not even MSA, if you hear somebody speaking it, it sounds like Shakespearean English, you know? It's kind of what? <laughs> <laughs> I it's very interesting that you say that. I actually had another comparison in mind. Uh mm-hmm. and it's about Latin. Nobody oh. nobody or very few people uh speak Latin in their daily life. And, uh, you know, Latin is where all the other Romance languages uh, stemmed from. So French, mm. Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, and so on. So in a way, nobody speaks Latin like nobody speaks uh, MSA. Is is that, you know, is that comparison valid? It's So it's not exactly valid because I know a lot of people would argue that. I've been on Facebook and different groups where people say, no, Latin isn't a dead language, you know, <laughs> but um, it doesn't have native speakers, right? Well, uh, MSA, you would say, yes, they do, but nobody actually speaks it, you know? So this is kind of common with Latin. But at the same time, um, I'm not a linguist, but in my sense, the differences Uh, that exists between some of the dialects and Arabic could be big and then could be like the comparison will be valid, but some others are quite close and it's not so valid, you know? I don't know if you what, you see what I mean. Yeah, and when it comes to mutual intelligibility between, you know, the languages that come from that father, if we want to call it like that. So, for example, between uh, English, uh, sorry, yeah. between uh, Spanish and Romanian, both from the same family, but they are not mutually intelligible. Mm-hmm. Is it the same thing with, you know, dialects of Arabic? Or can you all understand each other if you speak your own version? I mean, honestly, the, the ones that understand each other's, for example, many times, and that's also political and kind of an influence, for example, Egyptian Arabic, which is you have, I think in Egypt, you have the most speakers of Arabic in all the Arab world, um, if I'm not mistaken. So has been for years and is still also influencing like cinema, movie, music, industry, all that. So the whole Arab world was flooded with Egyptian Arabic. So everybody would understand Egyptian Arabic, not because it's closer to the MSA or to classical Arabic or because it's pure, not at all, because it has influence of Coptic, of other languages, of Turkish, because of the Ottoman Empire. So it's just because people has been you know, immersed in that kind of language all the time. Levantine Arabic also has... Also, it's influence in music. So people will, for example, let's say from North Africa would understand it. The other way around doesn't work because they are not often listening to North African. And also because the modern North African has been influenced not only by Amazigh, which is the language of the people in North Africa, which is different from Arabic, but also because it has been, it has tons of vocabulary from French, Spanish, Italian. Um, there is this uh, guy who's amazing, we'll add it on the show notes, who has uh, Spanish as native language, started learning Arabic as like in classical Arabic, which is the hardest, I, I guess, for religious regions, or reasons, sorry. And then he started a learning the other dialects and he made a great video and where you can hear all the different dialects and he's been commenting. So for example, he started with Moroccan, which seems very kind of different for the others and he kind of kept oh this word comes oh that sounds spanish or that sounds french and then libyan and he had two libyan people one used an arabic word for matbakh uh, for um uh, the the kitchen and the other used kujina you know he's a kujina and he's like i think maybe it's italian influence in there you know <laughs> so it's quite interesting so that's kind of 
weird for other Arab listeners, let's say. But, you know, I have my my father-in-law is Lebanese and he's always very proud. Like, yeah, your Moroccan dialect isn't Arabic, ours is. And I just gave him an example of a friend from South Lebanon who said, which was supposed to mean, give me, please hand me the uh, jam, like the jam jar from the the shelf. And none of these words are Arabic that I know or I I don't even think it's related to Arabic directly. So I was like, "Mm, you know, it's not always very clear for everybody. So basically, yeah, you're learning a different language each time. Rita, this is so interesting, but also so confusing at the same time. (laughs) Yes, it is. Please tell me what kind of, which variety, which dialect of Arabic should I learn? (laughs) Okay, so basically... um, I have to be very objective and and clear. It depends on your goal. If you want to speak to most people in the Arab world, as I said, Egyptian Arabic or Levantine is understood and spoken all over. So I would suggest that. That has been done all the time. I think Egyptian Arabic is the one that most of the foreign learners learn first. So that makes sense. And you will get access to tons of resources now, if you're spending time in, let's say, Yemen or in, in uh, or in, I don't know, maybe in the Gulf, which is a different kind of uh, dialect, then I would suggest for you to start with that one. Because when you're learning a language, you know it yourself. We spoke about that many times. You don't want to be losing the momentum, right? Um, so it's cool that you are able to practice with people around you. So first, learn the MSA. At the same time, practice like the speech with a dialect that is surrounding you. Now, let's say you're in Italy, Raf, right? And you want to just learn for the fun and you have no idea which one to start. I would say just there are so many resources we can give that you can just listen to the sound, see which one you feel like a connection with. Of course, you would have started with the um, standard Arabic to learn how to write, you know, and all this and have kind of a, a grasp of how the language works. And then you can decide, you know, you don't have to decide or rush into it. But you know, we'll talk about it later. We have somebody who sent us a message, very interesting, and asked the same question. And you'll see that also the Northern African languages are very interesting. I don't think we should be, you know, leaving them, um, you know, apart or away or whatever. Rita, I want to share yeah. my plan and, you know, ask you if you think it makes sense or not. Definitely. <laughs> my plan for Arabic is to start studying MSA. So modern standard Arabic for the first three, six months to kind of uh, have an idea of what's the structure like, what are the mm-hmm. specific specificities of the language. Specificities, yeah. Yeah, thanks. And then after those th- first three to six months, I would switch to uh, what we call a dialect. So everyone tells me to uh, learn, for example, Egyptian Arabic, because as you said, it's the language of a lot of movie, uh, movies, uh, a lot of music. So that's one that's more easily uh, understandable by people all across the Arab world. Do you think that's the case? Do you think that's a good plan? To learn MSA for six months, I think it's great because you're going to have to learn how to write, to understand all the differences. And you might learn already a few things about how Arabic works. Uh, For example, you could see it in, and we will put the video also on the show notes, as you watched it, the video from Paul from Lang Focus about the Arabic language was was amazing. It summarized the history of Arabic and how kind of the structure works in comparison with a few other dialects. And you will learn what makes Arabic kind of uh, special and you'll be able to read. uh, But at the same time, um, 
I would not wait at the end of the six months to start listening to a dialect. You know, that's something I wouldn't be doing. So if you want to start with um, Egyptian because it's spoken and widely used, of course you can. I would suggest to do it before because it's good for you to kind of also keep, get the sounds, understand also what is make that dialect unique. Because, for example, when you're going to start learning Arabic, they will tell you Arabic is a language that works with a uh, roots, right? So you have to learn also how to use a dictionary, which is a difficult thing because it's not the letter that the word starts with that you will find first, but you have to find always the root. But no worries, no stress. It's something that there are kind of a patterns that comes back all the time. So when you learn those patterns, it's kind of easy for you. So you can build your vocabulary and learn how Arabic works, right? And that's really cool. But at the same time, if you wait for after the six months and start with Egyptian, and then you realize, oh my God, it doesn't really work like that in Egyptian. Or for example, let's say plural, we have what is called uh, duality. Like when you address two people, you don't address them as you address three or more, you know? So in dialect, these things don't exist. Uh, same for cases. So you will be also kind of stuck with so many rules of grammar and you'll be like, but in reality, we don't really use them. Why do I need that? So I would suggest to start with standard Arabic to know how to write and 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 start how to read, but at the same time start listening already to your dialect. Now, which dialect? Of course, um, I mean, saying Egyptian because it's spoken widely. Of course, that's great, but it depends what you want to do later. I would suggest start with one, and then once you like you you master it, then you'll be easily open to other dialects you know that are around. So go ahead for it. Yeah. That's so cool. But how long do you think it can take for, you know, a non-Arabic uh, speaker to learn it? So as you know, like two weeks ago, we spoke about the FSI raid and about these for English speakers, at least the time each language could take a foreign language to learn, you know, inquire. Um, so Arabic is kind of part of the fifth category, which means that they say that you need uh, at least 2,200 hours to learn Arabic. Um, I believe, I mean, the, the the guy I spoke about on YouTube, uh, he took a year only and he speaks really well, but I guess he spent all his time just doing that. So I, I think, I think, yeah, it, it, it takes time. And also I think in a year, the confusion is gone. That means you kind of understand how to read. You understand the grammar basis of Arabic, but at the same time, you understand also kind of the difference between that language and the dialect you chose to learn. So I guess after a year, you feel comfortable already, you know, and you can start speaking to people, of course, making mistakes, but that's fine. Realizing maybe some few words are not used in that dialect. And little by little, let's say that MSA will be kind of a basis, but it will be kind of silent. It only helps you to read. And then you realize the language of the tongue you have to use with others, you know. So, yeah, in a year you will do it easily. Hopefully, I'll be able to do just that in uh, in a year or so. We'll see where I'll get in a year. Uh, but there are so many surprising facts about Arabic. For example, I'm always a little bit puzzled when I see numbers in the transliteration of uh, Arabic words. <laughs> or I was told, for example, there are no vowels. Yeah, so um, the vowel thing is like in Arabic, basically have short and long vowels, like in English. And when we write the, I mean, the MSA, the long vowel, the sorry, the short vowels are in there. So I will take the same example as Paul in Lang Focus takes. He wrote, can you read this? 
he said he read this he wrote cn then for you it's yu because the u is a long vowel so it's there uh read he wrote r i d i being kind of the long vowel but written differently just to show that the information isn't always there and then this THS. So if you're able to read this, that's how Arabic works, kind of. The short vowels are in there. And then there are other rules that you'll learn, which is add in harakat, which is the what goes with the, 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 the other vowels, with the short vowels to make sound. So let's say, for example, um, the word kitab, which is a book, you know. So we'd write the k, t, b, uh, and then a h, which make it longer. So kitab. And then you have to learn how to say, oh, the pattern is kitab or kataba. It could be also the root for the verb to write. So it's kind of confusing in the beginning. But when you have a good teacher there to help you, it's quite clear. You know, the patterns are there. Once you learn it, it's easy. I want to even try with you. Are you ready to try something here with me? What? I'm not ready. <laughs> so look, he, he, he spoke about that. For example, uh, in Arabic, when you learn... Um, kind of the melody of the language, but it's highly melod melodic language. You have to write, like, for example, kataba. We always start learning the verb um, in the past, uh, third person singular. So he, for example, he wrote kataba, okay? That's kataba, so the sound kata and b, all right? So kataba, if you add to it the m mm -hmm. meme letter in the beginning, so as a prefix, maktab, it becomes maktab. That means the office. So it becomes a noun. So if you have a paper and a, and a, and a, and a pen, it will be cool to write it. Kataba. So K-A-T-A-T-A-B-A, -A -A -A, let's say. Kataba. So I'll give you another verb in the past third um, person singular and see, in, see if you can make the noun of it, you know, the substantive. What do you think? Yeah, sure. I'll try. <laughs> okay. So the verb I will give you, which means to exit or to go out, is kharaja. You know that sound that we hear a lot. Very good. So I want you to try to make the sound for the noun from it. Add in the meme in the beginning. So I repeat just the first one. It was kataba maktab. Kharaja would be makraj. Makraj. Very good. I can't believe I did it right. You did it. And so you see, this is just to prove that actually it's not so difficult. So if you learn the templates, you will learn, you know, how to... Uh, have the verbs, nouns, understand, you know, the radicals. It's not a difficult language. For long, people were planning, like, you know, even Arabs, they speak about it, especially the Muslims, because, of course, they are not only, all Muslims are not Arabs and all Arabs are not Muslims. There are Christians, even Jews. So if you kind of say something um, uh, to an Arab that is Muslim and they say, oh, Arabic, it's so hard, it's a mysterious language, you cannot, because kind of they refer usually to the Arabic from the Quran, which is a classical, which is regarded from by Muslims as the most beautiful language, the, the most perfect. It is a hard language. Of course, you can still learn it, but it is hard and most native people don't speak it or understand it. Mm, but when we speak about standard modern Arabic, it's difficult. When you have the right methodology, you can definitely get there. So, bravo, huh? Rita, these, these roots and these templates, these letters are such a funny and cool system. I first found out about it uh, when, uh, you know, reading a book. And it's a book by Paulo Coelho and it's Maktub. Maktub, yeah. Which means, so you see, I spoke about Kataba Kitab or Maktub. A Maktub, do you know what it means? I think it means something that's written, so destiny in this case. Yeah, 
Destiny, exactly. So you see, kataba, maktab, maktub, it means what is written, the passive. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool that you said about that. But another thing that you mentioned was uh, were those letters, you know. I, I haven't been texting for years in Arabic, and it's interesting that you said that because we also, in our dialect, use that, and it's so confusing. I have this friend, she's always texting me in Moroccan Arabic, but using, for example, the letter Ain, which looks like a three. She's using three, you know, and the ha sound, like the eight, like the seven. And I have such a headache each time trying to read that. I would prefer for her to write it in you know, the, all the letters in Arabic, because that's what I learned when I was younger. But yeah, yeah, like youngsters do that. So this is also something really cool and funny about Arabic that you would learn if you're interested in it. Yeah. Uh, Rita, I want more language tips. Uh, sure. <laughs> um, so about Arabic, I mean, of course, in a language, there are also, it's not difficult, but what it will be different of course, obviously, you could hear it is the sound. I've been talking about a few letters. So there are a few letters that you can practice, you know, which is like, for example, Ein. Can you say that? Ein. Wow, I'm proud of you. That's very good, Earl, you know. Uh, so the difficulty in Arabic is not so much into, in pronouncing them each separately, but sometimes there are a few words that you have to put them together. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, but yeah, ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. You have to put your hand on your on your throat and push a bit. So you said no, it's I'm bad at this. No, you're not bad. It's 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 it just takes some time in the beginning. There is another dude, an American guy we saw on YouTube, and he he's crazy. He does that with different languages. He's a polyglot, and he went to Omegle and he made this video on YouTube, of course. And he's like trying to read for ten hours straight the Arabic alphabet you know wow. and he did that with Russian and other languages and I'm like what just to remember it well and he pronounced perfectly he's been practicing and practicing again I mean I wouldn't do that but I wouldn't also advise to do that because it's it could get boring but you know just the pronunciation little by little you get there it isn't so hard it's just ha 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 the you know uh, for example basically you know the sound s in English so it's easy right Sir. Yes, sir. So we have seen, but we also have sod. Sod. Yeah, so you have to, oh, you know, sod and seen could completely change the meaning of the word if you mess these up, you know? So <laughs> these little things, I think it's a, a tip I would give. Just focus on the writing, of course, and the pronunciation to make sure that you, you know, you, you don't get confused yourself when you hear them or when you write them um, because it can change totally the meaning. And also in the script, I can give you another little tip. Um, you have to really make sure to learn how to write because um, letters, you have two types of letters in Arabic. Uh, a few letters are written separately. They never connect with others when you write them. So like the wow, ra, zain. But you have other letters that can be connected. Those letters, you can write them differently um, when it's in the beginning, when they are in the middle or at the end of the word, you know. And that's important because in the beginning, it can be confusing. So practice that a lot in the beginning. You know, I would really recommend doing that. So that's my tip. Yeah. Rita, do you want to recommend any specific resource for those who are starting to learn Arabic? 
Uh, so you are yourself um, Italian, so and I think you know her already. But there is Maha, so learn Arabic with Maha. She's great. She's I think of uh, Palestinian descent, so she's teaching Levantine Arabic. But she also has courses and and she has two books in le- teaching people how to learn how to write. So if you're interested in Shami Arabic, Sham is a you know Levantine. So I would suggest her. I would suggest also on Instagram there is a Dalia. Uh, she teaches uh, Lebanese, and I think it's really cool because you can learn a lot of vocabulary with her. And um, regarding the writing, um, the, the, the I will put on the show notes the the, the man I spoke about. He has this uh, really cool link where he explains how he learned Arabic, and he can help you become fluent in Arabic in less than two years. And like a really cool and efficient method. And I would definitely suggest looking at what he did because I heard his Arabic is amazing, really. He makes even funny videos where he shows that Arabs don't understand when he speaks classical Arabic and he's able to understand all the dialects. So it's somebody I would suggest. Right. Yeah. Thanks a lot for that. Do we have any message regarding Arabic? We do. Actually, somebody from the network, and I'm so happy about it. It's uh, Nina, actually. Um, She is in Berlin, and she works uh, closely with Janusz to choose and find, um, you know, new subjects and topics for the videos. And I learned that she is learning Arabic, and she's been learning Arabic. And so we will listen to her and see, right? Hi Rita, hi Raffaele, I'm Nina from Belgium and I've been learning Arabic for a while now and I wanted to know specifically Rita what do you think of the different stereotypes and conceptions like surrounding the Arabic dialects for example the Levantine dialect uh, a lot of people find it sounds very classy and elegant uh, Egyptian is less classy but it's very funny and very witty and then Derija, which is spoken in like Tunisia, Algeria, Morocco. I feel like there's a lot of contempt and disregard for it. People don't find it interesting or they don't find it Arabic enough or they just say it's ugly, which is exactly why I want to learn it because I think Derija needs more love and it's such a cool language. Um, so yeah, I think these mis- I think these preconceived notions have a lot to do with like cultural politics. I found it very interesting, so would love to know your opinion. Thank you. And just for some more context, I first got interested in Arabic three years ago when I read the autobiography of an Egyptian writer, Nawa Asadawi. And I was so amazed uh, by the beauty of the language, even in translation, that I said, okay, I, I want to learn Arabic. I want to read this in the original language. So I thought I wanted to learn modern standard Arabic, since that's what books are written in. Um, but then I, I, I realized that that wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to speak with people and I wanted to understand uh, the music. And the music I listened to the most was Feirouz and Ziad Rahbani like a lot of Lebanese singers like Melham Barakat so that's why I decided to learn Shami dialect Um, but I love all Arabic dialects they're all so cool (laughs) I can feel the love from Nina I love it there's a lot of passion uh, towards Arabic languages in uh, those voice messages thank you Nina yeah and I would like to congratulate her her pronunciation is amazing and I can see her knowledge about the Arab world and culture and music is great as you can see, yeah, and you told that, like you told us just now, um, 
yeah, she's very passionate. So thanks a lot for this message, Nina. And it's a cool question, actually. It's a very hot topic in the Arab world. <laughs> um, of course, you said it yourself. It's very political. Um, I mean, we all have d different ears, you know, when we learn a language, when, when we never had any connection to it, we hear something. And of course, we would be fine in one maybe more beautiful than the other. That's fine. We are humans, you know, we don't have to all love everything. Um, but it's, you know, I, I compared it to Scottish and it's the same when you hear somebody from Scotland speak in English. People are like tend to be like, oh, what is that? Right. Uh, but maybe it grows on you, you know. So I think Darija, which is the dialects um, in Arab Morocco, for example, or in Algeria or even in Tunisia if it's slightly pronounced differently uh they are very interesting because them like they 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 have so much history in them of course they're influenced grammatically by another language which is amazigh but it means that you learn so much more also about how arabic uh, has lived you know its life differently it's kind of you know arabic was young and it just traveled and and it became an adult somewhere else you know and with own <laughs> own will and and how it's pronounced and everything but i think it's cool what she did because nina started with shami arabic so she loves she loved that because of the music and everything and little by little she started getting interested in other dialects so i would suggest to doing that if you're not comfortable in starting with a moroccan or algerian or tunisian dialect with darija because you feel like you don't have much connection or you don't see kind of the the interest of it now then just start with egyptian shami and then get to it later now regarding the political thing or just also the preconceived ideas of course it's preconceived because i hear a lot of myself maybe i'm you know subjective because I am also Moroccan um, just hearing the the beautiful poetry more a bit more ancient in Moroccan Arabic without any influence of French or Spanish uh, maybe a little Spanish though because of Andalusia but it's great and beautiful and I see so much um, relation with Arabic the, the the one that we say it's perfect and whatever that I don't understand that I think it's more ignorance from the people from other Arab worlds because they don't know anything about these countries and the first thing they hear uh, is maybe in the modern one that they hear every day is a lot of French or Spanish. So they kind of, oh my God, this is a different language. It's like when I was in China and you're a foreigner and you speak Chinese and people are like, oh, no, 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 I don't speak English, you know? It's kind of the same reaction, I feel like, which is not really rational. Um, so yeah, Dadija needs more love. Thank you, Nina, for bringing that <laughs> topic. I, you know, recommend that. But I think it's changing, you know? The last thing I would say is in the Arab world, um, a lot of young people from either Morocco, Algeria, Tunisia, etc. are being present in the music scene or whatever. And nowadays they're not trying to speak Lebanese to others, which they did for years to make them understand what's going on. They just speak their dialect, you know? And you have to try... To be more, you know, use words that are transparent and communicate. And the other youngsters are more kind of open now to learning those and understanding. So I think it's really cool. Yeah. Voila for me. <laughs> Rita, do you know who's going to Egypt at the end of this month and might use some Arabic words? Yes, we have to invite him as Tim and actually watch the video of him, you know, in Arabic. I wasn't referring to that. Oh, so who are you talking about? <laughs> I'm talking about the Easy German team. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Because I was going to talk first of all about our channel because we have uh, many videos in Arabic in easy languages, right? In our network, uh, Muhammad from Egypt was making them in Berlin, but you had different dialects there shown. And um, so like Assyrian or Lebanese or other dialects appear in there, Jordanian maybe. But um, now we have videos 
um, in Tunisian Arabic. And I thought it's amazing because it fits also the question from Nina. So if you guys want to learn something different, just go and watch that. But now going back to Easy German, what are they going to do in Egypt? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to spread the news right now. It's official. I mean, they have already shared it on their own podcast. It's the Easy German team. They are going to Cairo at the end of this month. They were invited by the Dekavi Academy in Cairo. Wow. So they are going to have meetups in three consecutive days at the end of November. I think it's 20, 21st and 22. Is that 22nd? Okay, that's really cool. It's, it's actually 19th. 20th and 21st. So they are going to be there and I'm sure they will pick up a few Arabic words. Definitely. But I mean, Tim, we were talking about Tim. Maybe they will meet him there. I don't know if he's going to be there already, but he decided to move actually to Egypt. And I saw a video of him. Uh, yeah, I think his girlfriend is Egyptian, if I understood well. So he's for now leaving Easy Dutch, I think, and get into maybe make videos in Arabic there. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't know that. Uh, and it's surprising. On one side, I'm sad because he's leaving the Easy Dutch team. But on the other side, if he, you know, starts the Easy Egyptian, Arabic. Uh, <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I've seen him doing one video already and I do not speak Arabic or any version of... Uh, but yeah, a lot of people was commenting on his uh, accent and how uh, great he spoke Arab uh, Arabic or Egyptian Arabic. So I'm really looking forward to, to this and I can't wait to have team uh, in one of our episodes in the future. Definitely. Team, if you listen to this podcast, you're officially invited. Yeah, this is it. I mean, there are so many other things to learn. Uh, the idea here is not to teach Arabic, but we will put to you like on the show notes all the links beside, you know, of course, our own easy Tunisian Arabic in the network, the links that could be interesting for you to start learning about it. I really recommend, and I say it again, to watch the video from Paul on Lang Focus on YouTube. He explains perfectly things, so it gives you kind of an idea about the language and maybe from there start learning one dialect and MSA. And we're going to keep on a bonus and maybe I can teach you a few things. What do you think, Raf? Yes, I can't wait for it. And I actually want you, if you don't mind, to uh, teach me how to say goodbye or till next time in uh, your preferred version of Arabic. So my preferred version is Moroccan, of course. <laughs> Darija, right? <laughs> Darija, yeah. In Darija, it means Bislama. 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 Yeah, it means Salam, you know, is a peace, right? Uh, we said it in the beginning, salam, when we say hi, and it means peace upon you, you know, kind of. And is Bislama, you know, play on those uh, root patterns, letters? Yes, it's with in Arabic, and salama, it's actually not, it comes from salam, it's, it's the same root, but salama, it means safety, you know, like when you, uh, safe and sound, you know, kind of be safe and sound, like get there safely, take care, basically. So Bislama in Moroccan Arabic, Bislama is goodbye. So, yeah. bislama, everyone. Bislama. <laughs> and talk next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>